Gospel Church said. Go ahead and be seated. Well, you may be thinking uh, it's almost noon and we, Joe just said the sermon, so now you're really nervous, but we have to give time for that Hollywood after party, so we figured we would spend some time studying God's Word together. I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 11. That's where we're going to be together for a few minutes, and I am going to do my best to uh, get us out around our normal time um, speed preaching here. Uh, <clears throat> buckle up. No. Um, Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, is where we're going to read together. Um, before we do that, can we just give one more round of applause to Suzanne and our kids and all the adults that volunteered to help? <clears throat> it, uh, it's always a fun day, and by fun, I mean chaotic in, uh, in, in a lot of ways, but, but it's such a blessing to hear our kids tell that story, amen? And so uh, we're grateful that you're here as well. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, we're going to read through verse 11. Matthew writes, After Jesus had finished instructing his twelve disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John What you hear and see, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is preached and proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. A minute ago in our Advent reading, Hadley referenced that we were in Matthew chapter 3 last week. And in chapter 3, we were introduced to this character that maybe you're familiar with, John the Baptist. And I mentioned that John the Baptist was a prophet. And his message was that a new day was coming. God had been preparing for the Messiah since the beginning, since the Garden of Eden and that event that unfolded with Adam and Eve. But now John has this role of preparing, making final preparations for Jesus' arrival and ultimately the honor of baptizing and introducing Jesus. And, And I mentioned as well last week that John the Baptist would also eventually be thrown in prison. And so today when we pick up, we find him here in chapter 11 in prison. He's in prison because he said things that people didn't always like to hear. And one time he called Herod, the Roman ruler out at the time, he called him out for divorcing his wife and unlawfully taking his brother's wife as his own. Well, as you might expect, Herod didn't like that too much, and so he threw John in prison. And so today we pick up in the story eight chapters later, and it begins with John in prison. And from prison, John sends his disciples, his followers, to Jesus to ask a question. And that question is what we want to spend our time thinking about this morning. That question is, are you the one that is to come or should we expect 
someone else? Are you the one that we've been expecting for all these years? I mentioned before that as the Old Testament closes and the New Testament begins, we just have a page or two in our Bibles that we might flip. Or if you're looking digitally on your Bible, maybe it's just one swipe to the left. But in reality, that period of time spans hundreds and hundreds of years. And Israel had been waiting, hoping, and longing for the Messiah that Malachi promised would come. Are you the one we've been expecting, or are we still waiting? That is Advent language. That is second coming language, first coming and second coming language. John wants to confirm that what he believes about Jesus is actually true. But now that he's in prison, he has doubts. Things seem to be a bit fuzzy for him. He has questions. Why does he have questions? That's, That's a question that I think is important for us to consider. I mean, John, think about John, what you know about John. He's known for being out in the wilderness, preaching to people, prophesying that people need to prepare for Christ to come. While he's out there, Scripture says he eats locusts and he eats wild honey. And he's living out in the wilderness. He wears, you know, animal skin for his clothing. And so I imagine John thinking like, is this, Jesus, are you the one we've been waiting for or should we be expecting someone else? Translation, did I eat all those locusts for nothing? right? Most people thought that the Messiah was going to come, and he, but when he came, he was going to be this great warrior, someone that would come and defeat Rome in battle, and it would put Israel back on top. And then people had their minds sort of challenged, not only because Jesus didn't come in that way, but mostly because Jesus came and acted in a way that they didn't expect for their king to act. Jesus didn't meet their expectations, which Jesus often doesn't do, does he? For example, back in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus calls Matthew, the guy who wrote this letter, a tax collector. He calls this tax collector, this outsider, to be one of his disciples, which was not a very Messiah-like thing to do. Beyond that, Jesus goes around and he touches people that have leprosy, people that would have been considered unclean and shouldn't be touched according to to Jewish law. Jesus goes around eating with people who in the people in the community consider to be outcasts and sinners, prostitutes. Jesus does not behave like a Messiah was expected to behave. So John is confused. John is curious, and I even think that John has some level of doubt. He's wondering, are you the one or is there someone else? Back in Matthew 3, John, when Jesus came to be baptized by John, it says these words. It says, John said, I baptize with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering up his wheat in the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This is the message that John has been telling people that was when Jesus shows up, this is what's going to happen. But guess what? When Jesus shows up, there's no winnowing fork and there's no fire. Jesus is not bringing the fire and brimstone like John thought that he would. Their message is similar. In Matthew chapter 3 and 4, John says, 
Matthew says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And just one chapter later, Matthew says, Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed for Galilee. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So their message is similar initially. But the way that Jesus goes about communicating and living out his message is not the way that John expected for Jesus to go about communicating and living it out. And even John doesn't quite understand. Judgment would come in the future, but that day wasn't here yet. Jesus begins to roll away the expectations that John was so confident in. Are you the one to come or is there someone else? Should we expect someone else? So what was Jesus' answer? Jesus says, go tell John what you see. Go tell John what you hear. Go tell John what's happening. Go back and tell him that blind people are being given sight and the deaf are able to hear and people who are diseased are being healed and even the dead are being raised to life. And good news is being proclaimed to the poor. In other words, sort of my translation Jesus says, when you go back and you report to John what you're seeing and what you're hearing, that will tell John everything that he needs to know. He shouldn't be expecting anyone else. That will tell him that Christ has come. And then Jesus adds this phrase, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. What does Jesus mean by that? Why does he say that? The people's expectations were challenged. People weren't quite sure what to make of Jesus and all the things that he was doing and the way that he was going about his ministry and bringing about ushering in the kingdom of God, they thought the Messiah would be like this one thing, and it turned out that he was something very different. But Jesus' life was confirmed in his actions and his words. Who he was was confirmed in his actions and his words. One of the ways that I've said this before is that if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. This is your answer for what God is like. God is for the oppressed, Jesus is saying, the poor, the brokenhearted, the hurting, the captive. God is for you when you are at your lowest point. So Jesus says it is this kind of thing that the king and the kingdom are bringing about. And, it, and then he asks, it, he says, is this, is this the kind of thing that the king and kingdom you thought were going to come about. And if, you, if it was, then he says, count yourself blessed because you weren't surprised. But the reality is, most everyone was surprised. Jesus isn't interested in people being held back from coming to God just because their picture of the Messiah wasn't the reality of what the Messiah looked like. So he acknowledges this truth. And in the end, I think the question that I consider, that I want us to consider is, who can blame them, right? When it comes to expectations, We pick based on appearance still often, don't we? We, If you're a kid on the playground growing up and you're picking teams, right? You pick the best athlete on your team first because the appearance is that that's going to make your team better. And we want the best and the brightest in life. And people have been like this since the beginning of of time. One example of this is a story that most all of us will be familiar with in the Old Testament, the story of David and Goliath. You remember this story? 
the giant Philistine of a man, Goliath, challenging Israel to a fight. He says, you pick your best soldier, keywords, best soldier, to come and fight me. If, we, if he wins, we will be your servants. If I win, you will be ours. And the story goes that, says that Saul, the king at the time, who was a head taller, who looked like a king might be expected to look. Saul, Scripture says, and all the Israelites were terrified at Goliath's challenge. And then here comes David, a boy, a shepherd, who fights with stones and a sling. Saul even says to David, you're not going to be able to go and fight that man. You're just a boy, right? You're just a shepherd. And he has been a warrior since his youth. What he's saying is, surely you aren't the one to fight him. We were expecting someone else to show up. Well, you know the rest of that story, right? It just takes one stone to take the giant down. And in that moment, people realized then that their expectations did not match God's plan. Throughout history, people have had moments when they were surprised by God. They expected one thing and another thing happened. And God has been wrecking people's expectations from the beginning of Jesus' arrival on earth. Jews were expecting God to send a Messiah that would sit on a literal throne. And instead, God sent a baby to be born in a manger to a woman who was poor named Mary. God has always done the thing that no one expected God to do. And the same is true in our story in Matthew chapter 11 which is why John wants to know, are you the one? And Jesus answers in a way that he did not expect. Expectations are an interesting thing, aren't they? Expectations are an interesting thing. Most conflict that we have in our relationships, most conflict that we have with God come from unmet expectations. Every stage of our lives, from young to old, In our relationships, this is true. Toddlers, when they want that toy but they didn't get it, unmet expectations. Their expectation was that it was theirs and the answer they were given was no. You had those plans with your school, with your work, with your family, with your friends, but they didn't work out like you planned. Unmet expectations. Sometimes money is tight and you expected that there would be more. Sometimes intimacy is lacking in a marriage relationship and you expected it to be different. Sometimes you're under great stress and you didn't expect for that to happen and you don't know where it came from. When you expect that one person to treat you in a certain way, but they end up treating you in another way. When you expected for that job or that new car or that toy that you bought as an adult to make you feel complete, but it turns out that it just can't do that. unmet expectations. You expected that friendship to turn out different than it was. You expected them to be here longer than they were. And now we are left with the inner conflict because our expectations were not met. And the same is true for our our relationship with God. God, why did it work out this way? I expected that it would be this way, but it turns out that now it's this way. Where were you? 
which to me sounds a lot like, are you the one to come? Are you the Messiah? Or should we expect someone else? And Jesus' answer to us is the same as his answer to John. You are not waiting anymore. Christ has come, and he is coming again. This is what the Advent season is about, church. Celebrating that Christ has come, but also recognizing that even in our moments of unmet expectations, we know that because Christ has come, what that guarantees, Jesus said, because he said it when he left, he said, if I go, and I will prepare a place for you and I will come back to take you with me. Because he came and he ascended back to the right hand of the Father, we are guaranteed that he is coming again. John thought that Jesus would be one kind of man, but he was so much better than what John thought he would be. And he is better than you and I can imagine too. All is not right in the world because of Jesus' coming as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. We see that, right? That the world is still in need of repair. The world is still broken and hurting. All is not, was not made whole and complete and healed because of the first coming, but all will be made right at His second coming, His second advent. This season, amen, thank you. This season of advent, what, it, what happens in this season of advent is that we become the recipients, the beneficiaries of a, of a time to slow down enough that we get to remember. We get to pause long enough to have a little bit more intentionality in our lives than we typically tend to live with. Because we don't, we don't really wait for much, honestly. If we want it and we don't have it and we have a credit card, we just get it, right? If we're hungry now, we just go and drive through fast food and get it immediately, right? There, waiting is not really a part of how we're wired. It's hard for us. So, so this morning and this month-long season, what we are engaging in is a time to remember that Christ has come and that we live between his first and second coming. And now the difference is that we can know and ex- know what to expect in a way, think about this, that even John the Baptist didn't know. That none of these early people that we read about in Scripture quite understood which also means that we can be prepared in a way for his second coming in a way that they were not prepared for his first coming. Because we have seen Jesus' work. What, what Jesus says is, go back and tell John what you see and hear. And we've seen God heal. We've seen God work and move and answer prayer and change our lives and transform our hearts and the hearts of people that we know and love. We've seen healing and we've seen our needs met. We've seen Christ walking with us through hard times, through grief and heartbreak, lifting our spirits in seasons of loneliness and struggle. In 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve, that Aaron read a minute ago, Paul says, Now we see in a mirror dimly. Then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I will know fully. But we do see through a mirror, even if it's dim. And we do know in part, even though it's not complete. And the day is coming that we believe through our faith that the day is coming that we will see Jesus face to face. And when we do, everything that doesn't make sense 
all of our unmet expectations will be finally met. They'll be set aside, really. And the reality of Christ will be before us, and it will be the only thing that matters. At times for us, if we're honest, it is difficult in a fallen world to picture the glory of Christ's eternal reign. But God's promise is that one day we will have perfect clarity, perfect understanding and vision. The mirror will no longer be dim, and we will behold God's anointed one ruling forever. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful this morning that Christ has come and that he is coming again. And this reality gives us hope and creates joy in our hearts. And we pray also this morning that it will prepare us, that we, we will have a sense of urgency about preparing our hearts for Christ's return. Not in a way that we should be afraid of, but that we, we, we were motivated out of the love that you have for us. And God, we're thankful. We're thankful that even though all is not right in the world, the world was changed through your coming and through your death on the cross and your resurrection from that tomb. And we know that even in the midst of the shadow of the resurrection that is cast over our lives, that there is a day ahead when all will be made whole and complete. And we long for that day and we pray for you to come. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, and the church said this morning, amen. If you would stand with me this morning, we're going to sing one more song. We're going to sing one more.